was so surprised to see Paul Giamatti in this movie. Me too. I didn't know he was in any movies like this. Yeah, he seems to be in mostly serious movies now. Yeah, or at least indie movies. Yeah. And he wasn't even playing a huge jerk in this one. No, they really, there was no reason for this to be Paul Giamatti. <laughs> I really just feel like it came out of left field. I kept expecting him to be more of a jerk than he was. Or to do more than he did. He, yeah, well, like so many people in this movie, he was wasted. People need to know that the shaking is not over. We'll get hit again. And it's going to be a bigger monster. I've been oh my god. The earth will literally crack open. And you will feel it on the east coast. Hi, I'm Rose. I'm Hannah. And this is More is More, the Bad Movie Podcast. Where today we're talking about San Andreas, starring The Rock, Carla Gugino, Paul Giamatti, Alexandra Daddario, other people. So the, it's directed by a guy who mostly does Dwayne Johnson vehicle movies. Like, that's his deal. So... In this, uh, he definitely fulfilled expectations, except that it didn't really showcase anything about The Rock. Yeah, not really. Not um, his best movie. No, it wasn't anybody's best movie. Um, well, maybe that Australian guy's best movie. I don't, know what, <laughs> I don't know what else he's been in. So many people were just, like, they showed up, and I wasn't sure why they were in the movie. And But at the same time, like, almost nothing happened. I think that's the problem with movies about earthquakes. Yeah, there's not a lot that you can do to surprise people with these movies. Natural disaster movies don't get a lot of surprises. It's always, how do we get out? And then sometimes, how does someone get in to rescue us also? Yeah. And that's all it was. So, we start in the San Fernando Valley. A teenager's driving an SUV along a road on a mountain. And a rock slide bursts through her window. The car rolls so far down the mountain that there's no way she's as unhurt as she is. Yeah, which is mostly just freaked out. Well, right, and also she ends up in the back seat somehow when mm -hmm. she was wearing her seatbelt. <laughs> what? Anyway, the car is precariously perched, just like partway down the mountain, it's somehow not falling. In a rescue helicopter, a reporter interviews rescuers about their jobs and is filming them because it will definitely be usable audio <laughs> while they're flying in this helicopter. The Rock is the pilot, and he's just doing his job, ma'am. Just go where they tell me. They find the car, and there's no easy way in, so they're going to do a maneuver called tip the hat, which just means flying the helicopter into a canyon where there's, like, one foot of space on each side of them. Seems <laughs> really ill-advised. Just day in a life of, of fire and rescue. <laughs> yeah, he's kind of a loose cannon, surprisingly. Things... But they don't really play him as a loose cannon. No, they don't. But I think he actually takes an insane number of risks that are not worth it. Oh, 100%. Yeah. They and just I don't acknowledge it. that. I get it. He gets results. But okay, I'm the stick-in-the-mud captain here. <laughs> so things are dire enough that The Rock himself has to go down. Weirdly, not the other guy who isn't piloting... 
There's a guy still sitting up there in the body of the helicopter that is not a pilot, <laughs> but he's not good enough. I don't know why you... Okay, so the question is, why does Dwayne Johnson ever pilot the vehicle at all if he's the only person worth something on the team? I think he's also somehow the best pilot. They have another pilot who, like, sits there and takes over, I think. Well, yeah, it doesn't matter if you have another pilot. If piloting the helicopter isn't a big deal, which it probably shouldn't be, then you just need the guy who's best at the search and rescue stuff, which is the harder job. But who else is going to tip the hat into that canyon? I think no one else was, oh was going to do that. Guys, you need to up your training budgets, because <laughs> it's sad that only one person can do all these things. Exactly. So he's got to go down, and it's a success in the nick of time, and no one but The Rock knew what he was doing. Because they lowered one of the other guys, and then he's like, I have to secure the car from underneath, and then it's so surprising when his arm gets pinned because it starts sliding down. I'm like, that can't have been the way to do that. Well, yeah, I'm like, granted, I am super far from an expert on any of this, but that didn't seem right to yeah. me. Yeah. Well, okay, I'm just going to get under the car real fast, uh, where it would fall directly on me. Well, my question is, why did they bother to do anything with the car at all? Why couldn't they have just grabbed the girl? I think because if it started falling while they were still getting her hooked up, then everyone would die. Uh, but I don't think yeah. that's the best way to secure the car. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like there had to be a better way to just get the girl out. I mean, I understand the car was in a precarious position, but it seemed like you were putting everyone at more risk by trying to secure the car first. Well, definitely the way that he did it. Yeah. Again, not an expert, but... Right. I don't think this movie was either, so... They sure weren't. So a college professor, Lawrence, Paul Giamatti, lectures about earthquakes. There is an insane amount of math on the boards behind him, even though he's not mentioning math, and it made me feel like he was borrowing someone else's classroom. <laughs> there should always be math on chalkboards in science classes. That's how you know it's science. Yeah. And one of the students is like, do you think something like that could happen here? And I'm like, are you serious? It famously could happen there. Yeah, guys, you live on a fault line. Yeah, what's wrong with you? And then he talks about how it's a San Andreas fault, and it's 100 years overdue for an earthquake, so it's not if, but when. In his uh, offices later, his assistant, Dr. Kim Park, shows Lawrence that there are 23 small earthquakes happening south of Vegas near Hoover Dam that are unexplained because they're not on a fault line that anybody knew about. But they have a theory they want to prove, so they head down there. And they apparently have no more classes they need to teach. No, so. he's free and easy. Uh, I guess it's... TA will do that. I was about to say maybe it's summer break, but then it's obviously not because The Rock's daughter is going to college. Seemingly for the first time. Oh my gosh, this... I, di I didn't even think about that. So he was teaching, like, a summer course? Maybe, but how would that... It seemed like that was a first lecture, not a last lecture. So maybe his school started earlier? Started, like, a week before? Now I need a calendar <laughs> of the movie timeline and school starting dates. That's right. I need an explanation for this. It's really important that we know this. Well, I didn't even think about it until just now, and it's become the most important <laughs> thing about this movie to me. Okay, well, we'll... Which is a sad commentary <laughs> in and of itself. I know, right? We'll talk to the director, see what we can figure out. Yeah. So, The Rock's character name is Ray. Ray's daughter, Blake, 
somehow she's named Blake. I guess like Blake Lively. Yeah, I guess so, but why can you only think of one other person who's a girl named Blake? It shouldn't be a girl's name. Also, Blake Lively named her daughter James, so I don't really want to hear about what is an appropriate name from her. So Ray's daughter Blake is going off to college, and he's going to go see her volleyball game and then go camping this weekend. He gets home and opens his mail it's divorce papers. Not everything in his life is great. I had a huge problem with this entire plot, which thankfully lasts the entire movie. Why? Because it's super lazy? I wish it had just been lazy. Instead, it was really confusing. Because of the relationship that they have. Yeah, it really seemed like nothing that acrimonious had happened between them, and they had just, like, drifted apart because they didn't know what to say to each other. And I realize that divorces happen that way all the time, but, like, that's not the only thing that happens. Yeah, so they do give, they do say something that makes you think that that's why the divorce is happening, but the way they're acting doesn't, yeah, we'll get into it. So... At first, I thought it was just going to be lazy. A lazy way to give this guy a backstory without saddling him with a family that he has to actively take care of. Although that's not the case. The also, family is all he takes care of during this whole movie. But. No. They somehow wanted him to be involved in a divorce, but still be the best man in the world. And so he couldn't have actually done anything bad. Which would have been fine, except they also didn't want to make his wife seem like a jerk. No, she was also supposed to be really, really good. And so... They never really did anything to each other. They just... This movie could have been... I don't want to say good, but it could have been better if they had just made the divorce relationship more interesting. Like, if they'd added more to it. Yeah, it wasn't a well-done relationship. It seemed also, well, as is evidenced by the fact that it's extremely easy to reconcile them. Which everybody saw coming. Yeah. So he's obviously the world's best dad, and he's looking at photos in his daughter's room. But it looks like he had two daughters. Yes. And now he's sad. Out at Hoover Dam, uh, the scientist's model is predictive, but I guess not super predictive, because all of a sudden there's a 7.1 earthquake that happens that they didn't know about. Yep, took him by surprise. Yeah, so I don't understand how that's like, yeah, it's predictive, except like not enough to actually save one of their lives. Kim barely makes it out of the dam, but then he rescues a girl who's frozen in terror on the bridge. He just has time to throw her to Lawrence before the bridge breaks up, trapping him by spearing his foot with rebar. And then he's washed away with the bridge. Hey, idiot, if you would just run with everybody else, this wouldn't have happened. Because then Paul Giamatti and the girl, like, stand there like they're going to try and save him. And I'm like, look, he's given up his life to save this girl. The least you could do is run so that you also don't die. Yeah, seriously. Come on, get it together. He's nobly sacrificed himself for you. Exactly. Don't just stand there watching him like an idiot. <laughs> yeah. Except we need Paul Giamatti later in this movie for some reason. We don't really, but let's pretend we do. So, of course, he doesn't die. Well, also, he didn't need the motivation of his friend having died. No. It was a strange thing that happened. The only motivation he needed was being a seismologist. Yeah, I know. He's staring at his friend, and I'm like, oh, now I hate... Now I think earthquakes are bad sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> so, The Rock gets called into work because he's a rescue helicopter guy. They're not that far from Vegas. Everybody's getting called in. And he can't go on his trip. But he still brings his daughter her bike. 
that she wanted for college. So this is when we see him interacting with his wife for the first time. He just just gotten divorce papers. Mm -hmm. They treat each other completely civilly. In fact, much like you would if you were still married to someone. Oh my gosh, he was way too civil. But clearly, they've been separated for a while. Oh, I would say over a year. You would think, because, and divorce can, I mean, sometimes people are like, well, let's try separating, blah, 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 and so it takes a while, but... But they weren't just trying separating, because she was dating someone, seriously dating someone else. Yeah, and... So this was past, like, trial separation. To the point that he finds out all of a sudden right now that they're moving in together. Yes. Which the wife does, thankfully, apologize for, because... (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, she's like, oh, don't be like this. And it was like, what, have a slight reaction? Like, he's not even that mad. Well, he's clearly upset, but he's holding it together. Because exactly. he's a great guy. Yeah. Best dad and best ex-slash-current husband. Exactly. So Emma, his wife, is dating this super millionaire, like, very nice house. Um, he's apparently a star architect. So suspicious. Also, he looks like a jerk. But actually, he seemed like a great guy, you know? He's nice to the kids, or nice to the daughter, uh, nice to her, willing to drop the daughter off in his private plane, you know? I mean, at this point in the movie, I was like, well, I don't know. Seems like a great guy. I don't know why I'm being dragged through a divorce, and she's dating some perfectly nice guy, and I, yeah... See, I suspected that he was too rich and his face was a little too weird for that to last. I did assume we weren't supposed to like him as much as The Rock, but... I mean, could you even... Exactly, that's everyone. Yeah. So Daniel, the new boyfriend, like you said, takes Blake to San Francisco on a private plane. He tells Blake that he respects what she and her dad have and doesn't want to take her dad's place. She's too old for that, dude. She's going to college. You really think that even if she wanted you to, you could somehow be a new dad for her? Yeah, she... And her father is active in her life, so it's not like he has any room to step into. Yeah, what's wrong with you? It feels like he watched some movies where that happened. Well, it seems like the screenwriter watched some movies where that happened (laughs) and thought, we need this scene. Exactly. (laughs) Oh, man. She asked why he never had kids, and he said, I did. The buildings I build. Uh, yeah. But seriously, he wor- he just worked too much. Yeah. And uh, when this one is done that they're working on, it's going to be the tallest and strongest in the city. Which immediately means it's going to fall over in an earthquake. <laughs> right. So Dr. Lawrence is coping by being at the office with Kim's death. And a reporter is outside, the same one from before who you may recognize as Kalinda Sharma from The Good Wife. I was both really happy and really disappointed to see her. Happy because I'm always happy to see Kalinda. Disappointed because she had nothing to do in this movie. I was I was also very disappointed. I really thought she was going to have an actual role, but she very much did not. Nope. <laughs> She's a reporter who barely gets used. So Lawrence agrees to an interview... And he's explaining how they can now predict earthquakes when his assistants come in with some new information that leads Lawrence to predict that the entire San Andreas fault is going to go off. Now we have the movie. (laughs) We get the very predictable line. Who should we call? Everybody. (laughs) Classic. At Daniel's huge 
well, one of his completed huge towers in San Francisco, Blake meets another guy named Ben who's interviewing for a job there. And his little brother, Ollie, because that's the best way to land a dream job, is to bring your weirdo little brother. I, because at first when the little kid showed up, I mean, he's not that little. But yeah, he's like, what, 12? Yeah, 12? he's like 12 or something. But at first I thought that they were orphans, like both their parents were dead. Wouldn't you think? But then they said something at some point in the movie that made me realize that their parents were still alive, and he just brought his brother along to a job interview for some reason. Yeah, because they're, like, going on a cruise or a trip or something, and they're supposed to go together and then meet their parents somewhere else on the trip. And I'm like, are you not staying at a hotel right now that you could have left him at? Are you kidding me? I mean, good for you that you wound up bringing him, I guess, but it if was they realize a... you brought your little brother, you're not getting this job. Well, it was such a weird thing to happen, and I don't know why, because I felt this whole movie would have been improved if Ollie hadn't been in it, because they didn't do anything with him. No. They really didn't. Um, yeah, he didn't need to be there at all, you're right. He didn't add anything to it. He didn't add suspense and he didn't add humor and he didn't miraculously save someone, at least that I can think of. No, he didn't. He yeah. didn't at all. It was just one more thing for people to carry around. Yeah. So Emma, uh, who's Carla Cugino, I forgot to mention, is lunching with Susan, Daniel's sister, played by Kylie Minogue, weirdly. She's off to a great start. Uh, Susan's being horrible to waitresses and running through all of Emma's personal details as though she is a cop and Emma is possibly suspected for murder. Just bonkers. Just have someone run a background check on her if you're this concerned about it. I feel like she did and she's just listing everything she knows because she wants to be horrible and intimidate her. It's like she hates her brother. I know. Yeah, so this is when we find out that Emma and Ray had a daughter who drowned. Right. And I feel like we as an audience are supposed to take away that this is the reason they're getting a divorce. If the wife feels like this is why they got are getting a divorce, then she should be angrier about it. Yes. You know, like I this was be. the most dispassionate divorce and reunion that I've ever seen on film, which is bonkers because there was nothing else going on. And I mean, yeah, there was like earthquakes, but really there was nothing else going on in the movie that they had to fill time with. Mm -mm. Why wouldn't you have them be angry and resentful toward each other on some level, even if they're able to communicate civilly when needed? Right. Because otherwise there's nothing that this movie is about. It's definitely not about their relationship. But it feels like it should be. It should have been. It was supposed to be at least half about their relationship. Right, that's the only real problem that's there to be solved, other than the super boring problem of rescuing their daughter. Exactly. Also, how dare you? (laughs) So, Emma interrupts her to take a phone call from Ray, who is apologizing for being slightly emotional earlier. (laughs) And in the middle of the call, the earthquake hits L.A., And he tells her to get as many people as possible to the roof and he'll come get her. How many people are you going to fit in that helicopter? Like, he doesn't care. He has, at this point in the movie, he completely forgets the fact that he is a city employee who's supposed to be rescuing as many people as possible. And instead decides that he's only going to worry about his wife and daughter. That's the thing. So he is either, depending on how the news decides to play this, going to be crucified in the media, or he's going to be everyone's favorite hero for rescuing his family. 
Yeah. But honestly, but probably super, crucified in the media because... He's super going to be fired, though. Right. Either way. I mean, I sympathize with a first responder who wants to rescue their family first. Like, I totally sympathize with that. But the number of people who must have died because they weren't rescued because he was going off to rescue one person... Yeah. I mean, there's a reason you're in the job you're in, and you have to know on some level that if something like this happens, you're not going to be able to rescue your loved ones first. Yeah, exactly. You just have to trust that someone else... Unless they happen to just be one of the people you can put on a boat. Exactly. And that was not the case. (laughs) No, it wasn't. Well, it shouldn't have been. In Lawrence's lab, everyone takes cover, and we see the quake is heading towards San Francisco. Blake and Daniel are leaving the tower in San Francisco uh, when the parking garage starts shaking. They have the driver gun it, and they're almost out when a collapse on the floor shunts them onto the basement level. The driver gets crushed, and Blake's legs are stuck between the front seat and the back seat. Daniel goes to get help, but as he gets into the building and he's telling a guard about it, the guard gets smashed by the ceiling. Daniel is in shock, and then he just turns around and walks out of the building. Yep. But Ben was standing there and overheard him say a girl is stuck in a car and needs help, and he suspects it is Blake. It's ridiculous that he went when he had his younger brother that he had to take care of. Yeah, that is insane. He took him down into a crumbling parking garage. Yeah. To rescue a girl that they talked to for a minute. But Rose, she was kind of hot. Even though, let's be honest, Alexandra Daddario was really weird looking. Yeah. She's always been weird looking, and also she was like 28 when this was filmed. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I can't believe She's that. She's 14 years younger than The Rock. <laughs> oh, that is weird casting. Yeah, 15 years younger than Carla Gugino, although that's more common with women. In L.A., Emma is trying to make her way to the roof through the chaos, but it collapses down through multiple floors. Susan is long dead. She has walked out of a door that then everything on the other side of it collapsed, so... That's fine. We didn't care about Susan. So long, Susan. Susan was only there to bring up the dead daughter. That's the only reason she was in this movie. Also to make Daniel, I think, less likable. Except that Daniel warned Emma that his sister was kind of a jerk. Yes, he did. He said she was a little... could be overprotective. Yeah, so we have kind of him distancing himself from any actions that she takes. Yeah. Don't worry. Soon he'll do something that is the equivalent of kicking a thousand dogs. (laughs) So it's a good thing the rock is used to crazy rescues. She climbs up the rubble, but the gas, I guess, in the building is causing lots of fires now. She's on the roof. Everything's collapsing. She barely makes it onto the rescue lift that is lowered down. And they dodge several falling buildings to fly out of harm's way. And so it's a really good thing that she wasn't able to get anybody else to the roof because she couldn't have taken anyone else. Yeah. As they're flying, they get a call from Blake. Very impressed with her cell service. I know. First of all, it's too far into the earthquake for anybody's cell to be getting through. And also, if cell service was still functioning, the lines would be so jammed up because everyone would be trying to call loved ones. That's what I mean. Nobody would be able to get through because I thought you just meant that the cell towers were probably mostly down because there was a massive earthquake. They also probably are not working, but even like you said, even if they were, like nobody could get a call through. Exactly. But she manages all of that, and she's in a parking garage. So (laughs) there we go. She's trapped and scared, and they decide. That they are going to go rescue their daughter. Ben and Ollie, Ollie is his little brother, find Blake and try getting her out. 
and I get now I guess we have to be like, oh, Ben has an engineering background that he mentioned. Um, so I guess that explains how he's able to jack up a huge beam with tire changing equipment. Yep, super doesn't. Yeah, right. No theoretical engineering know how doesn't translate at all into actually being able to do engineering feats. That's no, not the way engineering. No, works. in real world rescue, no, it does not. Yeah, these are two different jobs. Except in this case. <laughs> So they get her out the windows just as the car is getting crushed. They get out to the street and start looking for an electronics store because cell phones aren't working. I don't know what they want with an electronics store. <laughs> Back at Lawrence's lab, they have experienced a 9.1. And apparently, I don't know how they're measuring this, but apparently the quakes didn't release most of the pressure, so there's still supposed to be huge earthquakes left. I am willing to believe this because I know absolutely nothing about earthquakes. Yeah, I have nothing oh, to refute it with. Right, or how they are detected other than after the fact. Also, in California, there seems to be this weird myth that there's an earthquake season, much like a hurricane what? season. Yeah, I didn't know that until I was living in California and I ran into people who were like, oh yeah, well, there's earthquake season. And I'm like, what are you talking about? That can't be real. There are actual Californians that believe this. People born and raised in California who believe in earthquake season. Do they understand what causes earthquakes? Clearly they don't. <laughs> okay. Well, best of luck to those people as they navigate through life. <laughs> Lawrence takes the reporter to find students from broadcasting or whatever that are willing to hack the media outlets to get a report out. I like the way he says this. Like... There's going to be someone that says, oh, I don't think so. That seems irresponsible to me. Yeah, right? And also, guess what? That's not what they actually do. What they actually do is find a way to connect with media channels. Because later we see them being introduced on a channel. Yeah. There's like, well, now we're going to a university, blah, blah, blah. Because also, guess what? The media wants to talk to you. Absolutely There's not going to be a government cover-up about the massive earthquakes going on in California. Like, the media at this point would actively be searching for people to talk to about this. Oh my goodness, yes. More on that later. In the electronics store, Blake and Ben are looking for landlines and rotary phones. Yeah, okay. It definitely works. She calls her parents and says she's okay, that Daniel is terrible and left her, and they all agree on a meeting place. I like that electronic stores at this point are still selling landlines. It is 2015, <laughs> y'all. What are you thinking? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That apparently. Also, there's so many electronic stores around. Like this little hole in the wall place. Uh-huh. So now Emma is very angry at Daniel, and I can already hear the shredding of divorce papers. Yeah. Daniel. I think this is unfair okay I just think it's a little unfair the way she reacts to this because she hears her daughter's side of it and some hearsay by someone else and for all we know he was going off to find someone else who could help like right so she that she hears that her daughter was left by her possible future husband current boyfriend and just freaks out to the extent I'm like look if the ability to keep a cool head and to rescue people in difficult situations is your number one priority in a husband then you need to stay married to the rock whose job <laughs> that is otherwise you need to accept the fact that most people aren't equipped to handle situations like this and the fact that he goes into shock is 
totally understandable for so a man like that. That's the thing. It's not like you don't get... You, he. He really was in shock. I mean, yeah. a guy got smooshed right in front of him. Yeah. And shock is a real thing. I mean, it really affects you. It's a medical thing. Um, and he seemed like a nice guy. He probably would have been really sorry about it later. Well, we're about to find out he's not well, a nice guy. But, yes. but at this point in the movie, he seems... And the guy that she's dated seemed like a nice guy. Right, exactly. Now, I, I can understand how this would be something that once it happened, you couldn't get past it. But I don't think it's fair to be like, you purposely left my daughter to die. Because it doesn't seem like that's what's happened. And that is the message she leaves on his phone. <laughs> yeah, if you're not already dead, yeah, I will kill you. Well, I guess tempers run high. Exactly. And everything except divorces. <laughs> exactly. Well, he's not dead. He's out and about in the crowd on the street. And as another building falls, he pries some stranger out of their secure place up against the building and takes it, and the stranger dies immediately. <laughs> so he is now actually a bona fide villain. Yeah, now he's a villain, although not the villain of the movie, which no. is earthquakes for some reason. <laughs> it sure is. And it's weird what an about face they did to this guy. Oh my goodness. Like at first so he's much about his character is comedy level stuff. Right. At first he's like the world's nicest guy who is exactly who you'd want in a stepfather. I mean, assuming that your father wasn't the rock. And then he just turns into like this real petty villain. Oh my gosh, like a snidely whiplash sort who's yeah. just sending strangers to their dooms. Yeah, it's pretty weird. So in the helicopter, Emma and Ray are reminiscing when the engine goes haywire and he has to crash land. They end up in a store, and there's some definite looting going on. As there should be. Yeah. What You know what you're going to need in a post-earthquake economy? 12 TVs. Yes, exactly. Thank you. I'm not worried about you when the earthquake hits. <laughs> Do they teach you this when you go, move to California? Yeah. Okay, good. What to get first in an earthquake is it's definitely the screen TVs. TVs. <laughs> yeah. So they escape to the parking lot and find a truck being used by a looter. It's already been hot-wired and stolen, so they steal it again, barely avoiding being carjacked. But they do get a gun out of the deal. This whole movie is them barely avoiding things. Well, that's very true. <laughs> uh, it's every Which character. is funny because it means they don't have to deal with a lot of things. Yeah. Because they just barely avoid it. Yeah, uh, pretty much everything that happens, yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of what made this movie boring, is it was mostly people running from one place to another, but they weren't having to, like, deal with problems to do that. They also didn't actually... It's not their own skill that's getting them out of these things. It's pure luck. Yeah, it's just luck. It's a bunch of near misses. So in Lawrence's lab, the broadcast is working, and Lawrence explains that San Francisco isn't done shaking, and it's going to be a 9.5. I don't know how you could predict something like that. And I was reading, apparently, that the San Andreas Fault could never produce an earthquake that big, and it wouldn't cause a tsunami. But, spoiler alert, guys. <laughs> yeah, And it's going to be felt all the way on the East Coast. What I think is funny is that they had earthquakes at this level, and yet California didn't separate off from the mainland U.S. at the end. So that is funny, yeah, because we're in, like, Escape from L.A. level earthquake stuff now. Yeah. <laughs> so I was expecting at the end of the movie for them to show from a satellite California had floated off on its own little island. Right? Because that's always the thing, right? That's the thing in the future where they will show, like, California is exactly. off by itself. Exactly, it's its own little island now. Because of the San Andreas Fault. But, like, yeah. they didn't show that. It was no. odd. Even though they did show, like, a huge chasm that had happened. Driving along in their stolen truck, Emma asks Ray, do you ever wonder what our life would be like if we hadn't lost Mallory? What? <laughs> 
Now what is the, the time. Heck? <laughs> now this is a good <laughs> indicator of how insane their relationship is. <laughs> Are you seriously asking that of somebody who lost a child? Of somebody who lost anybody who's important to them? Yeah. And Ray's like, no. <laughs> and that they could have a civil conversation about it. Like, the, this know. is how it gets brought up, and not through passive-aggressive Really thing. casual. Yeah, not through a passive-aggressive conversation that turns into a screaming match about our dead daughter. Right? Also, guess what, Ray? You are a liar. <laughs> yeah. So he says he doesn't, and Emma's like, oh, I do all the time. And she wants to talk about it, but he's like, it's not important. Mallory's gone, and now you're gone, too. And she's like, yeah, this is why, genius. So, yeah. and I, I just really felt like this was not a good enough explanation about their divorce and the current state of their relationship. It wasn't. It's an insane conversation to be having. I mean, you would have had this conversation before. Yeah. And guess what? I don't super love stories about, like, couples that are getting divorces or are going to get back together after getting divorces. Like, it's just not a subject I care about. But, like, I already know that it could have been way done way better than this. Easily. Oh, yeah. And oh, still yeah. been a terrible movie. <laughs> yeah. They just didn't even try. No, they didn't. They were too... It was so weird. What I don't understand about this movie is it was like they were afraid to put any real conflict into it. They really or were. any real... They were afraid of, like, endangering any of their characters too much or making their characters do anything unpleasant. Like, it was just weird how afraid of that they were. That is really true. It's like they thought that the movie couldn't handle anything other than the earthquakes being bad. Right, and that is not the case, because the earthquakes being bad were the l last thing I care about. <laughs> I know. I don't, like, Especially... I've seen plenty of disaster movies. I understand the concept. Like, the earthquakes don't matter. Especially because at a certain point, the human stories are the only ones that matter and pull you through the movie. Exactly. Because with these huge-scale disasters in movies... It's overwhelming, and at a certain point, it stops meaning anything. If you show every single building falling down, well, at a certain point, it doesn't do anything anymore. If you show 15 people getting smashed in a row, well, the first one is the only one that we cared about. Yes. And the other problem is, because we know that this is just a completely made-up disaster movie, we don't really care about seeing the aftermath of it. Exactly. You know, because it doesn't feel real. No. So... In none of that, they, uh, Emma and Ray pass an old couple gesticulating wildly from the side of the road and then barely stop in time to not drive right into a huge chasm caused along the fault line. How would he not have seen that? <laughs> we I, only yeah. looked at the road 20 feet in front of him? Yep. It's just, the road is just gone. Anyway, these old people, Herb and Margie also don't have a great marriage. They're sniping at each other like crazy, and I'm sure that's exactly what they need in these trying times. <laughs> they tell Emma and Ray there's a road that might not be out, but they'd have to go back 70 miles to get to it. Then Ray sees Herb's aviation hat. Herb leads them to the air hangar, and they trade, I guess, Herb's little plane for their stolen truck. It is bonkers that he sees an aviation hat and assumes that there is a nearby plane that they can get to. And then there is. Exactly. Yeah. That was a crazy plot point. Exactly. That's wild. So in the plane, Ray says he never blamed Emma for the divorce or for Mallory's death. He just didn't know how to deal with Mallory's death because it was his idea to go whitewater rafting where they did and then he couldn't save her. 
And he should have let Emma in after this happened, but he didn't know how. And she says, well, if you couldn't save our daughter, then nobody could have. And then they fly off to save Blake. Which really just makes me think that they never, ever, ever had a conversation. Like, she didn't even say anything to him. It kind of seems like their daughter died and they just didn't say anything to each other for years. I know. It really does seem like that. Because somebody telling you, I don't blame you for this, that would be like one of the first things you did. I mean, not like, you know, get off the plane, find out your daughter's dead, I don't blame you for this. But like... You know, this would have definitely been something you'd said to him by the time the funeral happens. I can't understand how these conversations are just now happening. I mean, I do understand that it's the height of laziness with a (laughs) screenwriter who wants to create the most amicable amicable divorce with these people that are saints. But seriously, guys... What is happening? Because if she doesn't blame him for what happened, then he needs to be angrier or more depressed than he is. That's the thing. And then it's the whole, I never blamed you. But the fact that he just seems to be trucking along like usual and is really upset that his wife is leaving him, then maybe he really has never, ever thought about what it would have been like. Maybe he was like, (laughs) that's a closed part of my brain and I'm going to compartmentalize to a very unhealthy degree. Right, because it's just weird that they've never had a conversation about it, and yet somehow also neither one is angry or resentful of the other, or visibly, like, depressed themselves. No, it sure seems like from here on out everything should be easy street. Yeah, which is basically having a conversation you would, even a one-sided conversation that you would have had, like, very shortly after this happened. (laughs) I know. Because as a wife, you would have to know that your husband blamed himself, especially when he worked in search and rescue. Oh, how how would you not know that that's the main thing that was going on? Yeah. Because you would blame yourself even if you didn't work in search and rescue. Oh, totally. Yeah. But instead, everybody was like... (laughs) 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 Yeah. And apparently the daughter never had... I mean, the daughter's issues with her sister's death never brought up. Like... With the, her father's role in it. I mean, no. they, they're still going camping and stuff. Like, that's also what's weird, is they're still going camping. The The father isn't like, oh, no, I don't think we should do that. Yeah, and he... Because his other daughter died during a trip like that. Also, his search and rescue abilities and career seem to have been unaffected, which also seems like it wouldn't have been the case. Yeah, so don't tell me this is somehow his fault when he doesn't seem to have suffered any any problems after his daughter's death. Yeah, well, except for his divorce that is inexplicable. <laughs> yeah, it's the only problem is his divorce. And guess what? That was easily turned around. <laughs> yeah, by a short conversation. And a huge earthquake. So in San Francisco, Ben asks Blake why she wears two of the same necklaces. And she says, one of them used to be my sister's. She died. And then he's like, ooh, sorry I brought that up. And as they're walking along, she sees a fire truck and just starts stealing stuff out of it. She's like, oh, I know that there should be this box in here, and then there's stuff in there that we can use. And I'm like, do you think the fire people need that? Nope. Not as much as they do. Yeah, okay, I guess so. Because we're getting a private rescue, so (laughs) we need this stuff more. (laughs) They see that the tower they were going to meet her parents at is blocked by huge fires and decide that they need to go to Knob Hill as the next highest point which does not seem like a great place to land a plane, but okay. Yeah. And then Ollie starts reading out, like, trivia about Knob Hill. Yeah, because he has a guidebook. Right. It's very funny. Or charming. I don't know what it was supposed to be. I I didn't care about Ollie. He was like, did you know this? And I was like, I don't even live there, and I did already know that. Thank you. Yeah. I, 
I didn't find Ollie to be charming or interesting at all. So, no. or I didn't find the guy to be, I didn't find it, any of them, but at least one of them had a reason for being there because she was his daughter and slash MacGuffin. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, in the plane, in a development that should not have been a surprise but was, they can't land at the airport because everything is damaged and on fire. And what? also, like, it's an airport. You can't just be like, hey, can we land here? Yeah. It's a major airport. What is wrong with you? So they parachute into the ballpark and leave the plane to crash into the Pacific. It's just ridiculous. I mean, you know, I get it. It's the rock. You have to have, like, things like this, but... Yeah. And he's just the biggest hero there ever has been. Yeah. In this movie. New... I guess he's not worried about getting out at all, so... Yeah, no, he doesn't seem to be... But um, I happen to know from a little movie called Resident Evil that you can land a plane in a very short space, as long as you have somebody to hang off the back of it. That is true. You need a big guy to hang off the back, and that's it. So I guess The Rock is not as good of a pilot as they're trying to make him out to be. Exactly. Otherwise, he could have landed in the ballpark. Exactly. So a new quake starts up as Blake, Ollie, and Ben walk up Knob Hill, and Ben gets a huge piece of glass in his leg. Ray, during this quake, is saving people outside of the stadium by telling them where to go. And when it settles again, they decide they need a boat to get around. Blake gets the glass out of Ben's leg, and they can keep walking. But we see that tiny fires are starting. This was a 9.6 earthquake, the largest quake in recorded history. As Ray realizes Blake wouldn't have gone to the tower since it's all messed up, the tide starts to get pulled out, and they have to leave the bay because clearly a tsunami is coming. It's a really good thing that they have the exact same thought process on where to go. I That was insane to me. I was like, there's no way, I'm sorry, there's no way you're going to find her. Like, how, how would you know she could get to that tower? In a situation like this, evacuation of an entire city, that's totally unpredictable. You should just let her be rescued normally. That is the safest thing to do. Yeah. So Blake and friends hear on the emergency radio that they took from the fire truck that... There's a tsunami coming, and they look for shelter. And that's when Blake spots Daniel's new building. And they head for that. The tallest and strongest in the city. Which, he said when it's finished, and it's not finished yet. So I don't know that I would have trusted that, but... Well, it works out for him. <laughs> yeah, it kind of does. Everyone in a boat is speeding towards this wave, and they're trying to crest the wave before it gets too big. Emma and Ray actually make it over the wave, but a huge ship carrying shipping containers is being pulled in and smashes up the Golden Gate Bridge, upon which Daniel gets a comedy death by being smashed by one of the containers. <laughs> I'm frankly surprised that the Golden Gate Bridge was still standing at this point. Yeah, so am I. That is a well-constructed bridge. Seriously. It's really weird that they kept Daniel's story going long enough and then did that. It's like they were like, oh, we forgot he was here. But people are going to need resolution on this. Yeah. Everyone cared so much. Which I don't, unless his will has been changed in her favor. That's the only reason I would possibly care about <laughs> exactly. this. Exactly. Seriously. Oh my gosh. Well, he probably has no next of kin now that Susan's dead. I know he doesn't. I Now I'm kind of curious about where his money's going. But they're not married, so it doesn't matter. Wouldn't no, go to her. Wouldn't go to her. Unless he left a will. Yeah, I don't know, man. I think the state's getting really lucky. state's going to get lucky on a lot of this. Uh, except they're also going to have rebuilding costs. So maybe we'll balance out. <laughs> oh, gosh, yeah. They're, they're going to be in the hole for quite a while. Yeah. 
Especially since California already is uh, pretty short They're on money. They're already having trouble. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. So Blake and Ben and Ollie don't go high enough when they get into Daniel's building. And when the water rushes in, they have to hold on and somehow the building doesn't fall down, but they're in a bunch of water. And there is a huge suspension of disbelief needed that the city is now navigable by boat. Emma and Ray are driving around in this boat, and I'm like, there would be so much debris you couldn't drive anywhere. And the water level would have to be higher than things like trees. Right, exactly. When you wouldn't be able to see it, there would be no visibility through the water. Yeah. You wouldn't be able to see the tops of buildings that you were, and houses that you were going to scrape by. Mm Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. First plot hole. (laughs) They boat by the building, and Blake alerts them that they're there with a laser pointer. Just as they're celebrating, the building starts to sink. And while Ben and Ollie make it to the stairs and higher floors, Blake doesn't. But Ray is going in to save her. Somehow the water is crystal clear, as any water would be after a horrible earthquake in a major city. And the door Blake is trying to open underwater is locked, and Ray can't open it either. Ben and Ollie get to the highest floor, and Ben is going back for Blake when the water starts flooding their floor, too. So, game over. They're on the highest floor. (laughs) Blake and Ray run out of air completely, and that's what finally motivates him to success. I know! If only that had happened slightly earlier. He's like, no, I'm not losing this daughter, too. And I'm like, you would have already had these thoughts. This would have already been paramount in your brain, that your other daughter drowned. Same death. Exactly. And now, once again, you're staring at your daughter as she's drowning. Yeah. So he gets her to the top floor, and he's trying to get the water out of her lungs because she has fully drowned by this point. And it's been quite a while, so good luck with that, dude. When Emma sees Ben is trying to break through the windows, she rams through it with the boat, and everyone gets on board. They've given Emma up for dead when Rafe... They just had to have a death scene that was... I don't know why he would have paused and then started up again. That was really funny. It was me. pretty funny. It was like he got tired and depressed, and then he was like, "No, I'm no, keep I'm doing not it. giving up." But it's a good thing because she really only needed a couple more chest compressions. Exactly. She finally revives and is definitely a hundred percent fine and is not brain damaged. Nope, at all. Yep, she's doing good. Yeah. That's the thing. But her lungs are in great shape. Oh, yeah. No, that's the thing. In movies, they're always like, as long as you spit the water up, it's fine. But, like, in reality, you're going to be in the ICU and have neurological problems. Yeah. Part of the problem forever. is that the blood has stopped circulating. Exactly. That's you have brain like, damage. In fact, the biggest problem. Oh, yeah. Lawrence and his crew at the university are relieved, and lots of aid is coming in. And all of the main characters stand on an outlook in San Francisco at the devastation. And they vow to rebuild. Although, let's be real. Is rebuilding realistic? No. No, it is not. That After they spend all of that money on aid, nobody's going to have the resources to come in and clean up this garbage heap of a city <laughs> now. It would take decades. And yeah, it a lot would. of dedication from someone. And you'd have to find people that were willing to live in California again. Exactly. So you would have to be able to reassure people that these earthquakes weren't going to keep happening periodically. I know, and you nobody would believe it after that. Yeah. This Even isn't though, like people who are like, well, I've always lived in San Francisco and I'm just going to keep living here. Like, no, everything has been destroyed. Everyone's going to have to get evacuated. Seriously. 
And, like, the soil's going to be all messed up, and all the chemicals and everything that's just glass everywhere. Oh, my gosh, you can't get glass out of soil. Yeah. Yeah. So, good luck, (laughs) y'all. I guess that was supposed to be our positive ending. It didn't really feel that positive. Also, I was like, I guess you're speaking generally, but you don't even know if your house is fine in L.A. Like, it might be totally fine. You don't live in San Francisco. (laughs) Well, that is true. They kind of imply that all of California is trashed, so... Yeah. Wherever Paul Giamatti was seemed fine. (laughs) They kept getting under desks and then nothing happened. Weren't they in San Francisco? Maybe his college wasn't there. Maybe it was somewhere else. I thought they... No, they weren't in San Francisco. Okay. I think they were in L.A. I kind of lost track of where people were because... Like, let's face it, this movie doesn't matter at all. And because it takes place in all of California, it was... I mean, I knew where they were, because they kept talking about San Francisco all the time, but, like, yeah. he, where he was, I I wasn't quite sure. Because, theoretically, they could just be in a college town somewhere. Yeah, I don't, I, it's true, I actually don't know where they were. I guess I assumed they were in L.A., but they could have been anywhere on the fault line that wasn't San Francisco. So, anyway, we found out that uh, The Rock was terrible at his job. How dare you? He uh, saved two whole people. <laughs> Well, oh, four. hold on, four. <laughs> now, that was not on him. That he was by is, accident. Yeah, he instantly saved two more people, if you can call it that, when they basically were just riding his daughter's coattails into rescue. Yeah, it would have been harder to not save them. <laughs> yeah. I'm kind of impressed that the movie didn't kill off one of the brothers. Yeah, me too. Nobody died except for that doctor early on. And the the boyfriend oh, who yeah, they made into a by that small point, time he villain. was such a villain that it didn't matter. Yeah. No one was but sad. But this does go along with them not wanting anything too bad to happen to anybody. Yeah, exactly. He has to straight up murder someone before we can watch him get smashed. Because most people would have been sympathetic with the shock thing, I think. So he had to murder someone after that. Exactly. They were like, to ooh, that's not it. enough. I mean, frankly, I'm surprised by the fact that this movie made as much as it did. So it had a budget of $110 million, and it made $474 million. That is surprising. Yeah, it did really well. But I guess never underestimate the allure of a bunch of buildings falling down and also The Rock. Next up, we're going to do Pay It Forward, that classic movie. Oh, They no. taught us all how to be better, kinder humans. And that you do not have to stab someone very much to absolutely kill them. Honestly, his death is the funniest part of the movie. Oh my gosh, this movie is so terrible. <laughs> oh goodness. So that's what's next on More Is More. For more of our podcast, go to moreismorepodcast.com. To contact us, email at moreismorepodcast at gmail.com.